France is burning. For almost a week straight, rioters have taken over the streets, torching shops, joyriding in stolen buses, and even ramming a supercar to the front of a little supermarket. Sparked by the fatal police shooting of 17-year-old Nahel Merzou. Welcome to the What Matters Today podcast from the Geneva Graduate Institute. I'm Dan Graham, Head of Communications at the Institute. In this podcast series, we ask members of our faculty to comment on key global issues. The death of 17-year-old French-Algerian Nahel Merzouk, killed by a police officer on 27 June in Nantes, France, sparked urban riots across France. Things seem to be calming down now, however, tension definitely persists. In this episode of What Matters Today, we look at the factors behind these riots and how France's colonial past plays an important part in all of this. We also discuss what needs to be done to help prevent a similar situation from happening again. My guest today is Professor Mohamed Mahmoud Mohamedou, who is Deputy Director of the Geneva Graduate Institute as well as Professor of International History and Politics and Director of Executive Education here at the Institute. As a historian and specialist in colonialism and racism, how do you view these riots? Obviously, the the immediate aspect of this is the killing of a young man um, by a member of the French police. And so that's shocking to everyone who's observing. But if we look at sort of the the analyst dimension, um, it's hardly surprising. So riots more generically are a specific form of an expression of social malaise and often expressed in the face of injustice and have to be understood as such. In fact, there's a long tradition of writing in France historically. But the issue in this particular case is that they've been presented overwhelmingly in France under the prism of security, of order, and read as current affairs, most recent policy choices, um, as opposed to the necessity of a historical perspective. And if we do that, then I think that we have um, two, maybe three key dominant issues. One is the continuity and the cyclical repetition of the rights. The second would be the sidelining of their colonial underpinning. In fact, it's invisibilization, it's denial. And, and thirdly, precisely the denial of the racial component by the authorities, the mainstream media, and in fact, even most analysts and establishment historians. So as a result of this, the problem remains because we have what we can see as an invisibilization of the core issues and the production of this false narrative, which is criminalizing these racialized youth when the issue is eminently social and political. So I I think from that point of view, from that perspective, uh, of the historical perspective, it is crucial to highlight the fact that the genesis of all of these rioting is in the end of the French empire in West Africa and North Africa specifically in the decolonization era in the 1960s, and that such rioting has been unceasing since then. It is not a recent set of phenomena. It is quite clearly starting right after, say, the the independence of Algeria in 1962. But a few years after that, you already have from the early 1970s to the 2020s, early 2020s, a series of such um, writing. And I think it's important to remind ourselves that there's been a steady flow of those. If we look at a little bit some of of the, the dates, forgotten, for instance, is the summer of 1973, uh, where in Marseille, 50 
50 Algerians were killed in the following months. Then we had riots in Lyon in 1975, Vaux-en-Velin, Ville-Paris, Parisie. 1984, about 100,000 people walk in a march for equality and an NGO, civil society organization, SOS Racism, is created. Then throughout the 90s, 91 in Mont-la-Jolie, 94 in Pau, 95 in Nanterre, which is where this most recent one started, 98 in Toulouse, 2000 in Lille, Evreux in 2002, Avignon in 2003, Bobigny in 2004, a large one in, across the nation in 2005 in Clichy-sous-Bois, and Villers-le-Bel in 2007, and of course, 2023 in Nanterre and across the country. So this litany is very revealing. The cost of these rights is high to French society, first and foremost to the victims and police brutality and sometimes vigilante killings, not only the, the police. We had, had such cases in the 70s, unresolved cases. And I think it's very important to establish, not to speak in sort of unspecific terms, it's very important to identify the fact that the majority, the vast majority of these youth, the killed ones, uh, are Blacks, Arabs, and Muslim. In very few cases do we have white youth killed by police. It happens, but it's much, much more less of a case um, in, in, in that uh, context. So I see the net result of this normalized targeting of a specific segment of French society in the creation of a systemic society and state tolerated, in fact, production of this violence and the spectacle of violence, which cannot be laid at the feet only of troublesome youth. And, and yeah, I know you've hinted at this in the answer you just gave, but what, what other factors might explain such an outburst of violence, especially uh, among youth, because it is primarily youth that are, are behind this? Right. So one can mention any number of things, chronic unemployment, life despair in these urban ghettos, which one former French prime minister, Roland Dumas, once called a quasi-concentration camp-like type of um, architecture. Understaffed education systems, decrepit infrastructures, the general neglect of the banlieues, the name given to these neighborhoods. But I, above and beyond, I think the primary consequential factors have to be seen as the the poor leadership by the state authorities, the absence of engagement on these issues, and the actions of uh, law enforcement, the violations that, that we mentioned. These youth have been racialized youth. There's a book by an Italian investigator, Fausto Giudice, entitled Arabicid, in which he documents the killing of about 200 cases in the period between 1970 and 1991. And I think that kind of quantity and the quality that we have mentioned of, of such racialization of these youth has been ever so present in the society. In fact, it's, it's seen even, for instance, in the arts. There's a, there's a, a famous film in, night, in the 1990s, La N, 1995, by Matthew Kasowitz, uh, which very aptly describes sort of the, the tragedy uh, that we can witness. And in fact, very interestingly, just last year, 2022, uh, there's a follow, kind of a follow-up to that by uh, another filmmaker, Romain Gavras, entitled Athena, which pre pretty much presents the scenario we've just lived through. Some of the graffitis, by the way, during the recent riots had in the streets Athena too, sort of making reference to fiction in life. Very interesting in, in that. So police brutality, I would say, is fundamentally the key factor that we see. And, 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 and that could be even seen as a euphemism. We're talking about extrajudicial killing that is going 
above and beyond what specifically the law is saying, and that is the case in the most recent one, and also the refusal to see the discriminatory nature of this and has led to a certain radicalization within police forces. Many observers in recent days, in recent weeks, have seen that, in fact, in constantly referring to these places as quartier à problème, uh, problematic neighborhoods, quartier difficile, right, difficult neighborhoods, the, the state itself has introduced a terminology of dangerosity and a climate of suspicion when, in fact, referring to its own population. And this has, I think, socialized the country uh, over decades, as we just established. And this it has socialized it in the very daily interaction between the citizenry in these overt biases. Um, this has led to another deeper problem, which I think will have to be tackled for after the most recent events, which is that the police itself has become now, in some cases, the French police, that is, in some uh, quarters at least, more radicalized. We have seen a statement that was issued by the two police trade unions during those events that spoke of savage hordes uh, depicting the youth that being at war and in fact threatening the state, quote, that tomorrow we will be in resistance and that the government must realize that. This is actually exactly what the French government was warning against in terms of sedition two or three years ago in terms of radicalization. So to have a branch of the state speaking in those terms, I think is very, very problematic. The police has to respect the principles of necessity, proportionality, non-discrimination, uh, not go down the road of um, impunity, as we have seen, which is the main criticism that has been leveled uh, in these cases. I'd say another problem, another factor rather, um, is the very laws that have been introduced in terms of the use of firearms by the police. In 2017, there's been a change in the law that allows such uh, shooting by the police um, in cases of traffic when the arrested individuals are, uh, do not stop. Um, and inevitably, the cases have gone up. I think over the most recent phase, we have about 16 or so cases. And I think overall, we have seen kind of a misrepresentation of these issues, a stigmatization, which even the, the mainstream media has presented, as I was saying earlier, in terms of security and order, rather than seeing the historical underpinnings uh, of this uh, society-wide problem. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said. And you talked about the French police, and I just wouldn't mind going down that road just a bit more. So, well, first of all, do you see a link with the riots that followed the murder of George Floyd in the U.S. in 2020s? And, and in other words, is there a problem with systematic racism in the French police? Yes, there is. And I would say more sort of generically beyond that, I think in, in French state institutions, there's a denial of the fact that this race question has has not been tackled, has not even been seen. There's a lot that, that can be said about the United States. It suffers a deep and continuing race problem. Uh, but the United States has been tackling the issue. It is talking about it. It's acting about it at all levels. The very afternoon that he took office, President Biden tweeted that he was going to be addressing racial equality. I don't think we've seen this from Macron or from Sarkozy or from other presidents all the way to the Mitterrand. This is not part of sort of the perspective on these issues. I think the other aspect of it, and, and again, there's plenty of research in the United States by scholars, data by state agencies, action by civil society, and generally, I would say, an average admission by society that the U.S. has a problem in terms of, of race. None of that exists in France. Uh, and we don't have leadership on the issue, as I was saying. 
Rather, you have what sociologically we can call a narrative of suppression. That is this kind of depolitization of the events. It's as if these youth were manifesting violence without any context. Uh, and when we've seen the context, which, as we were just saying, at least only in terms of the economics of it, you clearly see that that is, is part of the problem. There's another aspect to this particular kind of dimension, which is, is a bit of a, I feel like using almost the, the, the word trick, or at least it is problematic, which is that this long-standing decision in France to prohibit data on collection of racial, ethnic, religious basis. And supposedly, this is on the notion of pursuing a colorblind society, which is, of course, admirable, but it is a myth contradicted by the facts, as we were saying. In fact, the logic is profoundly flawed because in most places around the world, what you have is the need for the collection of data, particularly in, in, in cosmopolitan societies, so that you can enable anti-discrimination policies to be devised, devised with, a, with a view to improve things in healthcare, education, access to services, economics, investment opportunities, etc. It's with those data that you can uncover inequities through e evidence-based elements. And I think by having this kind of declamatory stance and, 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 and of a taboo in, um, in having those data collected in the very laudable sort of perspective of having a colorblind society, one creates a very convenient veil of ignorance when the issues have been repeatedly, as we said, since the 60s, 50 years already, linked to the, the status in the case of French citizens. French citizens, they may well have West African or North African parents of descent, whose lands had been colonized by France, we should remember. But fundamentally, these are French youth. And, um, and not to see that the discriminatory element is the elephant in the room, I think, has essentially led to a lot of perpetuation of the issue. You mentioned colonialism in one of your answers, and uh, this is obviously something we need to talk about. Um, are European countries with a similar colonial past as France faring any better? And if so, why? I think there's this almost a specific or quite sort of pronounced trope in France on this issue. I think there's been a fetishization of the Republic in France that has, in many ways, can be seen as a sort of a corollary of the defense of the empire, even unconsciously. There's a sense that, that sort of this, we move from one reality, which is a colonial and, and imperial reality, all of a sudden to one where the Republic uh, which can manifest itself in discriminatory ways, is all of a sudden this kind of uh, bulwark against any questioning of its authority. The, the data in France gives you by official, in fact, record by different commissions, that Blacks and Arabs are about 20 times more likely to be stopped by police than, than their peers. That's the Défenseur des Droits, the Rights and Defenseur, which is an official administrative body which notes, for instance, that in 2017, 80% of the people of the same profile, Black or Arab, have been reporting being stopped by the police versus 16% for the rest of the population. So not calling this racism, denying the, the collection of data uh, to monitor discrimination, not to create you know, differences between communities. That's, that's the negative logic of it. And in effect, sort of almost tolerating or turning a blind eye on police brutality the, the state has, in a way, enabled the perpetuation of the non-conversation about this question. So to your question, we don't see this in the UK, for instance, which is a colonial power of magnitude, which, of course, has its share of racism and police brutality has been decried a lot by the Asian communities there or the Caribbean 
um, descendants communities, but there's certainly far less stigmatization of Muslims. There's no national obsession with the veil, for instance. And frankly, the UK is led by a self-proclaimed Hindu as prime minister. When last year we had a French parliamentarian told by another parliamentarian to go back where he came from, um, in, in the very seat of the National Assembly. I think there's, there's a qualitative difference in terms of that and other systems, other environments where racism has been present, segregation in the US, as we mentioned, or the legacy of colonialism and racism in the UK do not play out in the very same manner that we see um, in France. And I'd like to ask a question about the role of social media in these riots, because we can draw a parallel between what happened in the Arab Spring, which we did a podcast on. Um, and and I, I saw an article today, the headline was, and quote, is Macron floats social media cuts during riots. And, and I just thought this was very interesting that he's thinking of using these kind of uh, tactics used by authoritarian regimes, but now apparently they're trying to backpedal. But does this surprise you? Does this shock you? No, it's the, it's the logical landing place of 50 years of denial of the problem and reading it, as I was saying, as a security issue, rather than seeing that it is social, that it is political, that it is historical, that there should be a logic of empowerment rather than disempowerment, that there should be a logic of proper positive leadership rather than trying to even fight off these youth, which is exactly President Sarkozy once um, sort of almost sort of had a physical altercation with some of them as he was visiting these neighborhoods. Um, and so it's very antagonistic on the part of the state. To have President Macron speak in such logic is indeed akin to authoritarian language. Social media has a, a very important place to be protected in democracies um, and to be regulated as such, but to cut, cut it off in this particular case is an admission, in fact, of guilt on not wanting the problem to be debated, not allowing the voices to speak. Um, it, the, the problem of the banlieues in France is not a, is a, is not a security issue as has been presented. It is a profound social malaise and a profoundly historically sort of informed a situation that has been absent from, from the debate in that sense. So it, it's quite regrettable to hear that that's sort of the, the choice that is made in, uh, as if everything we've seen in recent weeks or days should lead us to that conclusion, as opposed to seeing the despair of these families. Who's, who's behind these youth, if not whole neighborhoods that have been put aside? The very etymology, by the way, of banlieue is to have something of a seigneurial kind of right of a control over. So from the get-go, the concept was that this is on the side of society, not in, in, within society. Very interesting. And, and the final question, because you mentioned it's more of a, a social issue than security issue. Um, what do you think can be done to ease the situation in the years to come? Because for me, like a social issue might take generations to change. Mm -hmm. Well, again, I think we can... Oh, oh, Away from the security reading, the securitization reading of it, which I think is eminently problematic. Typically, what you just said, trying to by Macron trying to control social media, uh, which is what you would expect from a totalitarian authoritarian state. Indeed, I think you can move to another level, which is the kind of thing we mentioned earlier. Of course, sort of better sort of investment in 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 the economics of these neighborhoods, in integration in the national economy better facilities, and so on and so forth. All of these things can be done. Some of it is being done, for sure, to be fair. That is really not um, the, the, the fundamental problem. 
but I really think to, to, to your point, if you don't want to be fatalistic and looking at this as an almost inevitable generational problem, and we're two generations already into it, that the only way that, that you can find a manner to break the cycle is that France, France as a whole, not just the state as we were discussing, society itself, one is reminded of Freud's sentence that society is guilty in the common crime of these things. France needs to tackle its racism problem. And so far it hasn't. It hasn't. The office of the high commissioner here in Geneva spoke recently of, quote, profound problems of racism and racial discrimination within French law enforcement. Now, when you have such recognition, again, the French National Commission on Human Rights, which I mentioned to you earlier, on top of the Défenseur des Droits, has been reporting that 1.2 million people per year are victims of racist attacks. The violence has been increasing. Remember in December of 2022, three individuals of Kurdish origin were killed in an explicitly racist attack in Paris. There is rampant systemic racism, and that needs to be addressed rather than either societal indifference or recoding of it in these kind of metaphoric uh, terms that I think, in fact, add insult to injury to, to the victims uh, of that kind of uh, element. And I would also think that there's leadership that is needed, leadership politically, but also leadership intellectually amongst French non-racialized intellectuals. We haven't seen a BLM-type movement across ethnicities. And in fact, we've seen, again, more from Macron, a stigmatization of research on these issues, which he called in 2022 that this was imported from the United States. Well, well it isn't. It isn't. French has its specific race and colonially driven problem. The US has its own. The UK has its own. Regions around the world have their own, you know, in the global south included. The point here is that you have a stigmatization of your own citizenry. You have militarizing police increasingly, and you have banalized systemic racism. And all of that is amounting currently to an invisibilization of a very large elephant in the room. And I think it's, it's time that this needs to be addressed as such, rather than having this kind of a logics of, of fixing something in a, in a different mindset. And hopefully it will be addressed soon. Uh, Mahmoud, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of What Matters Today. Greatly appreciate it. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you for having me. That was Professor Mohamedou discussing the recent riots in France. This podcast series is produced by the Geneva Graduate Institute Communications team. For more information about the Institute, please visit our website at graduateinstitute.ch. I'm Dan Graham. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.